Hey everyone, so glad you are joining us uh, today. Happy Father's Day to all the dads who are out there. Uh, before we jump into the, today's message, I just wanna remind you that in two weeks, on July 5th, we will be having our first in-person worship service since COVID hit. We're gonna be gathering at our 15th Street campus at 10 a.m. that Sunday on the lawn and street outside of our building for a family-friendly worship service. We will still be socially distancing by sitting in family units. So please bring your own lawn chairs or blanket to sit on. Masks are encouraged, but not mandated. Now, because there will be no children's ministry, the service will be shorter than our pre-COVID service length. We'll have some activity bags for your younger children to utilize during the service if they want. Now, we will also continue to have our worship service on, available online, so if you prefer watching from home, that is awesome, and we would love to connect with you in that way. I am super excited for us to be able to gather together in person to worship the Lord and to see each other and to receive some teaching from his word. So I can't wait for that. So we are in the midst of a teaching series entitled Be the Church. Our heart as we were planning this series was to provide inspiration to all of us about how we can still be the church even if we're not able to all gather together for a worship service. And so each week we're talking about how we can move towards needs and how we can build relationships like the church-wide barbecues that so many of you participated in over the last few days. Well today I wanna talk about how we can be the church in the midst of a culture that is being torn apart by the issue of race. The tragic death of George Floyd became a, a tipping point in our nation where all sorts of underlying pain and opinions and anger suddenly ignited, resulting in violence and demonstrations and rage and conflict and sadness and grief and tension. In a matter of hours, the virus of COVID took a backseat to another more hidden virus that has been a part of our nation's history for centuries, the virus of racism, of prejudice, of people being treated differently and viewed differently simply because of the color of their skin. So we're gonna talk about this today in the one place we should be talking about it, and that's the church. God has a lot to say about this subject, and yet this has not been a place where this topic comes up often enough. And I just wanna say, I'm sorry. I fully own my part in that. I'm the primary one who plans teaching series and themes that we're gonna talk about, and I can count on a few fingers the number of messages I've given over the past 30 years that specifically address the issue of racism and prejudice, and I am sorry. I am sorry to my white friends here at Christ Community for not more frequently challenging us to honestly look at this issue that has done and is doing so much damage in people's lives, including our own. And I'm sorry to my non-white friends here at Christ Community for not taking the time to really see this issue from your perspective and to feel what you feel. The past three weeks have been incredibly eye-opening for me personally, as I have had to confront my own assumptions and indifference surrounding this issue and have started to look at things in the past that I preferred not to look at. I mean, the past is past, right? 
What good is it to dig up the past? Let's just move forward. I mean, maybe that's where some of you are at. I get it. I get it. You don't want to be stuck in always reliving the past and blaming the past. You don't want to foster a victim mentality and a white guilt that feels like this unhelpful weight to carry. Again, I get it. Because honestly, that's sort of where I've been. But if that's you, could I ask you to set aside, just for the next few minutes, set aside that perception and to simply listen without getting defensive, to see if God would wanna speak to you. This is not about shame and guilt. This is about us having God's heart. I mean, what I can keep coming back to, and it is this realization that in the midst of all the voices and the opinions and the anger that are being expressed right now on television and social media and books and articles and blogs and debates and all that, in the midst of all of that, the most important voice for us to hear is God's voice. The most important perspective for us to embrace is God's perspective. We can easily be swayed by Fox News or MSNBC or whatever media outlet we swim in. And before we know it, we are holding to ideas and embracing ideologies that don't reflect the heart of our Savior and what he came to do in the gospel. So what I want to try to do in the time we have together is to encourage us to rise above the fray to rise above the chaos and the political noise and to let God give us his vision in this area. And here's what we're gonna discover. God's vision, God's purpose in this area of race is intended to be accomplished through his church. The church is God's strategy to dismantle racism. The church is God's vehicle to reverse the tide of prejudice, which on one hand is incredibly inspiring. It means we can be a part of the solution. But on the other hand, it also feels a bit discouraging because as Martin Luther King Jr. accurately pointed out years ago, the church is the most segregated place in America. And that is still true today. We've got a lot of work to do. So I want you to look with me at the book of Ephesians, which is a letter Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And this, this was a church that was experiencing some racial tension between ethnic Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. And this was more than just a theological dis difference. This was about their identity as people. You see, the Jews believed that they were God's chosen people. Even, and even after some Jews received Jesus, they still sort of carried this aura of privilege, you know, of status in God's eyes. Of course, God loves everyone, but he loves us more. Um, and then you have these Gentiles who also had received Christ, but they felt like second-class citizens. They didn't have this deep religious heritage. They didn't have the, the, the covenant of circumcision. They were viewed as outsiders by other Jewish Christians. And so there was this hostility between these two ethnic groups in the church. There was this hostility in the church. There was still this, this wall between them, a wall of privilege and status, a, a wall of superiority and, and an inferiority, all within the church. And so in this letter of Ephesians, Paul specifically addresses this by starting with the gospel. So early in chapter two, Paul describes how we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. We are saved by grace through faith, not because of anything we've done. That's the gospel. 
And so after spending 10 verses explaining this gospel, Paul then says in verse 11, therefore, which means that what Paul has been talking about, i.e. the gospel, is directly connected to what he's gonna be talking about. And so then he says to the Gentiles in verse 11 and beyond, he says, look, I know you guys have felt like you're on the outs. Verse 13, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. See, Jesus, in his death on the cross, has completely destroyed, completely obliterated this racial barrier, this dividing wall of hostility. For what purpose? Look at verse 15. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Do you hear what Paul is saying? What is God's solution to this racial division between Jew and Gentile? It is to create a new humanity. It is to create a new family. And this family has Jesus at the center of it. And so in this family, in this new family, there is no superiority. There is no privilege for one group and not another. No, we we all came to God the same way, as sinners needing a savior, and Jesus is that savior. So the church, the church is to be and live out this new humanity. The church is God's family on earth. So what this means is that anyone and everyone who comes to faith in Christ needs to be reparented by God. We need to learn and live by the new values in our new family. Sometimes these values come naturally because they have been values of, in our family of origin that, that, that they embrace when we were growing up, so they kind of come naturally. But sometimes these values don't come naturally because our family of origin was not perfect. And they they passed on to us certain things that do not reflect God's heart, including racial attitudes that are sinful. See, this moment in time in our nation is an amazing opportunity for us in the church to see afresh the things that God values in his family, to let God reparent us as part of his family. So let's look at some of these gospel values that are essential in God's family. First, the dignity and value of every human being. Did you notice how in the passage we just read, it doesn't say Jesus destroyed their ethnic differences. No, it doesn't say that. It says Jesus destroyed the wall of hostility. The gospel is not about removing our identity as people. It is not about removing our ethnicity and cultural background. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, God wants us to be colorblind. They'll say, I don't see a black person. I don't see a brown person. I don't see a white person. I just see a person. And that sounds really wonderful, but it's not biblical. God doesn't want us to be colorblind as if people's ethnicity should be ignored. 
No, God wants us to value and embrace our differences, to see and honor the value and dignity of every person, including those who look different than us and who clap on a different beat than us and who dress differently than us. See, this is the power of this new humanity. It is not about segregation. It is about being unified in our diversity. The Bible makes it really clear where all this is going. Check out Revelation 9, this scene in heaven, this future scene in heaven. This is where all this is going. Look at this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. That's where this is headed. That's where this is headed. So it's no wonder that God wants his family, this new humanity, i.e. the church, no wonder he wants us to reflect that same heart, an ethnically diverse people who are united in Christ and who celebrate each other's differences and who honor each other and treat each other as the image bearers of God that we are. God doesn't want us to be colorblind. He doesn't. He wants us to see our diversity and to celebrate it. I mean, without this diversity, we're missing out on aspects of God's character and heart. Black people uniquely reflect certain aspects of God's person and brown people uniquely reflect certain aspects of God's person and white people uniquely reflect certain aspects of God's person. It's only when we are together that we fully reflect who God is. Second value in God's family, humility. Humility, rather than hostility, we are instead urged to put on humility. The gospel is rooted in a savior who took upon himself the injustices and the sins of others. This new humanity God is creating in his church is to be a place saturated with humility, putting the needs and interests of others before our own. For those of us who are white, one of the most powerful things we can do right now is ask questions and listen. Listen to the stories of our black friends. Listen to the stories and perspective of our Latino, Hispanic, Mexican friends. Rather than getting defensive and bringing out our well-practiced practiced arguments, what if we just took a posture of listening, of trying to hear and trying to understand? As we talked about last February in our Emotionally Healthy Relationships series, all of us, all of us have a tendency to make assumptions about people based on their skin color or the particular group that they're associated with. Right? We make assumptions about them. And then we draw all sorts of conclusions from that. Oh, those people are, you just fill in the blank, right? We draw conclusions. And then we treat them differently. I mean, right now it breaks my heart how so many people are assuming the worst about police officers. Just because some officers have been caught on video behaving badly, some people now use those stories to justify anger at the entire police force calling them names and disrespecting them and all of that. The same thing has, happened, has, happened, or has been happening really for centuries as it relates to blacks and other minorities. 
I got an email from a black friend describing the suspicion he feels in our community, the suspicion he feels if he's in a store and he doesn't buy anything and he walks out just feeling that suspicion that he's stealing something. A Hispanic friend of mine shared about her, how her son was wanting to go to prom with a particular white girl here in Greeley and her dad wouldn't let her go out with him because in her dad's words, he was a dirty Mexican. I heard a well-known black pastor share about how just the other day, this just happened, well-known black pastor, as he was walking past a white woman, she clutched her purse. See, these, these stereotypes and negative attitudes toward a group of people are evidence of prejudice. And one of the best things, one of the best things that those of us who are white could do right now is to ask our non-white friends about their experiences and then to just listen. A couple of weeks ago, I had a Facebook Live conversation with uh, Robert Miller, who's a part of our church and part of the black community. It, it was just so eye-opening for me to hear his perspective and his experience of prejudice. You can find that conversation on our Facebook page. I'm gonna do another Facebook live conversation on Wednesday, July 4th with, with uh, Angel Flores, who's a good friend of mine and he's a great pastor, uh, church, a, a mosaic church here in our community. And I wanna, I wanna just listen, I want him to share his experience of being Hispanic in our community. See, this listening heart, this, this, this humility is such an important posture in the racially charged environment we live in right now. But it is not easy, it is not easy. Up, up until three weeks ago, I was content to just have my preconceived ideas about these issues based on my own opinions. But then I started, I decided to start reading some books written by people of color, describing their experience as Christians, as, as, as well as describing the history of racism and slavery in our nation. One book that I'm reading is, is called Be the Bridge by Letitia Morrison. It was eye-opening to read about, how her, read about her own experience of being on staff at a large white church, predominantly white church, and feeling like she couldn't really be herself. I was horrified to hear, in, the, in this book, to read stories, to hear stories of people like Mary Turner, a 33-year-old pregnant black mother whose innocent husband was taken from their home in 1918 and murdered by a white mob in search of a murder suspect. And when she, the next day, demanded justice, she was hung upside down from a tree and killed along with her eight-month-old unborn baby. No one was arrested for any of those three murders. There are thousands more stories like that. I was in shock reading of the massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 where a white mob assisted by the National Guard burned to the ground a 40-block black neighborhood. Over 300 black men were killed. 8,000 black people were immediately made homeless. 6,000 black men were arrested and detained. Not one white person was arrested. The newspapers didn't even report this for decades. It took 80 years for the city of Tulsa to apologize for that. It's like no one wanted to really see what happened, including me. 
I would prefer to not hear stories like that because they make me uncomfortable, they make me angry at the injustice, but I need to see. We need to see. We need to listen to these stories. We need to humbly look at our nation's history, celebrating the good, but also grieving what was not good. How millions of people were dehumanized through the horrors of slavery. And how often, it's hard for me to even say this, but Christians, how often Christians actually perpetuated this horror. In 1667, there was a controversy in the church in Virginia over whether the gospel should be preached to slaves because if they converted, were they still slaves? So the Virginian legislature passed a measure that officially acknowledged that if a slave got saved, they were still another person's property. The message was clear. Preach to the soul, but don't touch the system even if the system enslaved people created in the image of God. So for the next 200 plus years, there were millions of Christians in America, including Christian leaders, who saw no problem with following Jesus and owning black people as property. These stories have been opening my eyes to see that racism And prejudice are not simply things in the past that we can just forget about and move beyond. These things are deeply ingrained in the systems and structures and attitudes of our culture, impacting all of us in ways we we often don't even realize. The only way anything that deeply rooted is changed is by recognizing how we got here which requires a humility that comes from Jesus, a gospel-centered humility that is willing to move beyond the rhetoric and to really listen to people's stories and perspective with an openness to have God break our hearts and speak to our hearts in the process, which leads to a third value of God's new humanity, forgiveness. In my Facebook live conversation with Robert um, a couple weeks ago, he, he said something that really stuck a chord, struck a chord in me. He, he challenged all of us to pray, to, just to pay attention to the emotions we're experiencing and to have the courage to explore those with Jesus. I mean, clearly, right now, there are all sorts of emotions that are being stirred in our nation and in us. I mean, just talk to anyone. There, you can just tell, there, emotions are being stirred. There's anger, hatred, defensiveness apathy, indifference, I mean, and it's so important for us to not ignore those things or just you know, pass them off. It's so important for us to explore those emotions in Jesus' presence. Those emotions are fertile ground for God, the Spirit of God, to work in our hearts and our lives. I mean, when we find ourselves getting angry or defensive, for instance, what if we stopped to ask Jesus, what is this about? What is, what is being triggered in me and why? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it a righteous anger? I mean, let's just be honest. Conversations about race stir up all sorts of things within us. They just do. I'm guessing this message is probably stirring up some stuff in many of us as you're listening. It's stirring up some stuff in many of us here. Maybe defensiveness. 
maybe anger, maybe grief, maybe sadness, and that's okay. It's okay that these emotions are being stirred in us. It's okay. If we can't talk about this in the church, where can we talk about it? So as this stuff is getting stirred in us, as we're having conversations, we're watching stuff on the news, whatever, as this stuff is getting stirred in us, the question is, are we willing, are we willing to run to Jesus with that, whatever it is, are we willing to run to Jesus with that rather than running to our favorite website that just confirms our perspective? We're living in a period of time in which Jesus is wanting to do incredible things in our hearts. Friends, incredible things in our hearts. As all this stuff is getting stirred up, this is a huge opportunity for Jesus' work in our hearts. But the question is, are we willing to run to Jesus with this? with our anger, with our pride, with our grief, with our lament, with our indifference? Are we willing to run to Jesus? Are we willing to confess and repent any blind spots Jesus points out in us? Are, are we willing to forgive those who have hurt us? Again, the cross is what enables the church to truly be this new community. The cross of Christ is what enables us to be this new community. As we all draw closer to Jesus, guess what? We're gonna inevitably draw closer to one another. One final value that I wanna mention, and that is solidarity. This word solidarity speaks of a willingness to stand with someone or with a group of people who are being treated unjustly. One thing that God cares a lot about is injustice. We could do a whole sermon series, maybe I will, a teaching series on injustice. He cares a ton about it. He says to his people in Isaiah 1, verses 16 and 17, look at this, stop doing wrong. Learn to, this is to his people, learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed. God wants his people, us, his people, to stand with those who are being treated unjustly, who are being oppressed I mean, I remember a few weeks ago uh, on a Sunday morning, praying to the Lord, I was just praying, and, and I was thinking about the videos I had recently watched of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, just other videos and all that, and in that moment, I just, I realized, I don't know exactly what to say, but I know I cannot be silent. As a white person, as a Christian leader, as a brother in Christ, my silence would communicate volumes one thing I've heard a number of black friends and fellow pastors say um, to the white community is this, fellow black pastors say to the white community is this, we need your voice to stand with us in this. When any of us see injustice in any form, and we don't speak out, now I'm not talking about the violence and the nastiness and the looting and all that garbage, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we see injustice, against any group of people of any form, and we don't say anything, it communicates volumes. Our silence communicates volumes. Now let's put this conversation in the context of family, of God's family, this new humanity. Think about it in terms of a family. What does a healthy family do when brothers and sisters in that family are being mistreated? You stand up for them. You stand up for them, you stand with them, you feel what they feel. Paul says weep with those who weep. Carry one another's burdens. That's what family members do. 
We stand with each other because each person matters. Each person has value. Now I know everyone, I know so many people right now are asking, what can I do to help solve this crisis? What can we do to be a part of the solution? Great question, great question. Here's how I believe God would answer that question. Be the church. Be the church, even when it's messy and hard and painful. Let's fully embrace this vision of a new humanity, a new family with Jesus at the center. Let's be a community that values each and every person. Let's be a community that, that, that's willing to listen and to learn we're hoping to start very soon a Be the Bridge racial reconciliation affinity group based on the book that I'm reading, Be the Bridge, where people can just come together and just talk about these things and pray about these things. So if you're interested in being a part of a group like that, just email info at cccgreeley.org and we will let you know when that happens. We'll get you, we'll get you that information. Let's be a people who are willing to look at our own hearts and repent when our hearts don't line up with God's heart. And finally, let's be a people who stand with each other in the face of pain and injustice. That kind of community can change the world. Let's pray. So I want to invite you into a, a posture of response right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to each one of our hearts. What are you saying to us? And what I wanna do, I'm just gonna invite you, and just you're in a posture response, a prayerful posture here. I want you to take a moment and just be present to your heart as it relates to all the things happening in our nation right now. Maybe as it relates to this message, what, what, what are, what's being stirred in you right now? If, if you were to put a word to what you're feeling, what would that word be anger, defensiveness, frustration, fear, sadness, apathy, whatever. Just take a moment and identify an emotion that you are experiencing in these last few weeks as it relates to this, this situation or even again right now in response to this message. What's being stirred in you? So now that you've identified that emotion, I want you just to welcome Jesus into that emotion. Just own it. It's not about shame or guilt. Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. Just feel it. And welcome now, just acknowledge it. This is how I feel, Lord. Acknowledge it and, 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 and welcome Jesus into that. Just ask him what he wants to say to you in the midst of that emotion. Maybe it's, it's repentance, he wants you to confess something, or maybe it's, it's just a, a praying for wisdom or whatever, but just welcome him into that emotion right now. Just take a moment and do that. Lord, we welcome you into these, these places, these emotions in our hearts, these emotions that are being stirred. We welcome you in 
to these places and ask you to bring your perspective, to bring your transformation there. And now I just want you to finally, just want you to ask Jesus, now that you've welcomed him into the emotion, ask him what action step he wants you to take as a family member in his family. Is it to initiate a conversation with someone of a different skin color? Is it to read a book from a different perspective? Is it to pray? Is it to stand with someone? Is it to ask for forgiveness? What next step is he calling you to take? And are you willing to say yes to him? This is quite our heart. Just ask him, Lord, what next step do you want me to take? Father, you see our hearts. You see our desire to be this new humanity, to be this family that values what you value. We want to be a part of the solution. And we, we realize we've seen afresh how your solution is so deeply rooted in your church, in us being this new humanity, demonstrating this and welcoming people into this family. So we pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us be the family that you desire us to be, the family that Jesus died on the cross to create. Help us to live in and embrace these values of the dignity of every human being and a humility and posture to listen and learn and to understand another person's perspective and in a heart posture of forgiveness, of seeing our own blind spots, and being willing to ask forgiveness. This is for all of us, white, non-white, all of us. Help us see our blind spots. And then this value of solidarity, Lord, that we would be willing to stand with those who are experiencing injustice, that we would stand together with them. Lord, thank you for this marvelous, this amazing thing called the church and how it is such a powerful display. It can be such a powerful display of your heart. We want that for our church. For every church, we want it for our church as well. Lord, would you do that in us? Help us as a church move move forward in your heart to be this new humanity. We love you. We love you, God. And thank you now for this opportunity to respond to your word in a time of worship, to set us free, to worship you, the amazing God that you are. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.